Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, hello, and thanks for listening. Today, we're tackling the topic of anxiety, and it seems like an appropriate thing to talk about in the midst of a pandemic and really just living life in a fallen world. It's a common struggle that many face, including Christians, and God's Word has a lot to say to us about it. To help us think about this topic, I've got a member of our biblical counseling team, a counselor who attends our church, and the leader of our counseling team, and a pastor from CCK. Um, And so I'd love for each of you to introduce yourselves, tell us a bit about you, and then also just what interested you in biblical counseling. Emily, if you want to start, uh, that'd be great. Sure. Um, So I'm Emily Eisenhart. I work as a counselor full-time. I've been doing that for about the last 10 years. And I think what makes me excited about counseling and um, counseling from a biblical perspective is just that uh, life in a fallen world can be really rough. And I know I can be really drawn easily to just sorrow and suffering around me, but um, scripture also you know, tells us that uh, in Romans 12, it talks about the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. And I want to intentionally direct my eyes and direct other people's eyes um, to the promises found in scripture and just how that works out in day to day with what we find on earth coming up. Jeff Hodgson, a pastor at Cornerstone. I've uh, been on staff since 2007. And um, in pastor's college, uh, really responded uh, to the to the teaching we got there in a way that that excited me for for bringing this back to uh, to Cornerstone. I've I've uh, for the long time been very very interested in in sitting down with people, talking with them, and and hearing what's what's going on with them. And the thing that probably excites me the most in my pastoral work is. Uh, I I just love to sit down with Christians and talk about whether or not God has something to say about our lives, and uh, it turns out He always does. And so that that uh, that exercise and that exploration is is uh, is always an exciting one. I'm Trina Lewis, and I've been on the counseling team for about four years. Um, I became interested in this ministry because I enjoy listening to people, and I like trying to help them. And also, I found that I really like working with people one-on-one. And you also serve on our premarital counseling team and have for a number of years as well. Um, Well, Jeff, can you give us a working definition of anxiety? And um, is there a difference between anxiety, fear, and worry? Uh, Yeah, Emily may be the very best person for for a technical definition uh, of anxiety. But as you consider fear and worry and anxiety, they... They tend to overlap an awful lot and, and can almost be seen synonymously. Um, what, I, what I think I've found is fairly helpful is to think in terms of uh, perhaps fear being the primary emotion that we're dealing with, uh, worry being kind of the mental process that we, that we go through. What, what is it that you're thinking about? And then I kind of sum it all up with anxiety as sort of a state of being. 
Uh, so there's there's because you can you can get physical manifestations of of anxiety and all kinds of things, you panic attacks and com, compulsive behavior and and whatnot. So uh, there's there's all kinds of things that that go into to kind of a state of being where someone is just apprehensive uh, about things. So uh, I I kind of break it down that way. What would you add, Emily? Um, yeah, I think just that persistent. Persistent fear, worry, often um, toward the future, uh, like Jeff mentioned, a lot of um, getting into like a lot of physical responses that can come out. Um, anything that's kind of like almost even making us feel disconnected from the present, uh, just not living kind of right where we are. But also like thinking and kind of this maybe we'll go into more of what we'll talk about, but thinking about anxiety as an emotion it's a message and that message is telling us about something that we value or we really care about something that's important to us so there's um kind of information it can give us even in itself okay good um well at least from where i sit it seems like when it comes to an issue like anxiety your solution for how to deal with it kind of depends on what you think the cause is and um it seems like the typical things that we think can cause it are spiritual, um, circumstantial, or physical. And so if you think it's, you know, one of those three is the top reason you go after that as the solution to. So I just wondered, as Christians, how should we think about those categories? And what does the Bible say to us about them? Um, so one thing that I think of first is someone phrased this in a way that was really helpful for me. Um, there are good reasons to be afraid. There are better reasons not to be. So thinking about like, there are good reasons to be afraid. Um, we do have enemies in the world. Like we battle against our flesh, the world itself, the devil, like we're living in a dangerous world where sin has touched everything and we see the effects of that. So that's real. There are real things. And even the fact that we're embodied, um, and we have an embodied soul, like there are those physical, real, tangible manifestations um, that are are coming up for us. It's like a whole person experience. So um, we don't want to overlook like the spiritual and some of the context that the anxiety is coming up in. But I think um, remembering that in those moments, they are revealing things that are happening within our hearts. And so we don't want to neglect the spiritual. We don't want to neglect what's happening um, underneath kind of the surface in like the physical or in those contexts. And so there's kind of this sense in fear that there is something that I value that's being threatened or something's happening to something that I love or that I'm treasuring. Um, And it's really helpful to kind of there's more these more of these surface presentations, but if we kind of drill down and kind of get into the heart of things, um, there's almost like this thought that there's something that's that's happening where God's not going to be there, or maybe we're not getting He's not going to be good to us or give us something that we need. We're in this this needy place, and so again, like there are these real things that are coming up, but there's also these greater truths that are, um, that are there for us in scripture that really tie into the presence of God and like the character of God of who he is and like caring for us in the future. That's kind of one way I would think about some of the categories. 
Yeah, I would definitely definitely say that uh, that all of those things are things to consider. Uh, we are embodied souls, and so uh, so there are circumstantial, there are physical things to to consider, and all that. You know, I, I would think every single case is a, is a spiritual has a spiritual uh, component to it. Um, as a biblical counselor, uh, that's where we're going to be going for our cure is is going to, we're going to engage in the spiritual realm with the great physician. And so he's the one who's going to bring healing. And so there's, there's always that, that component uh, with it. Um, it's, fear is, is a really interesting thing because uh, etymologically you get, you get the word fear even being associated pretty closely with worship. And so we, you know, we talk about fearing God uh, and so forth. And what what that has to do with is fear has something to do with us seeing something as really, really important. Uh, where it can fall into the anxiety realm is if we start fearing that this really important thing, uh, we might lose it, you know, or that something might happen to it or something. What is it, what is it about this thing that I think is very, very important that it could be lost? Uh, those are. Those are the things that that um, uh, that we want to dig into very carefully. The the heart issues that say, "What is it that you really love? What is it that you really want to hold on to? What do you what do you think that you have to have? Uh, things will be ruined if if I lose it." Uh, those are those are the things that, that we dig into, as well as considering you know the circumstantial and the physical things and and all that. Well, the things that you mentioned, um, Bethany, um, can be good things and can serve as tools to help a person ease their anxiety. Um, but for the Christians suffering from anxiety, um, this is a great opportunity to ask, in what am I taking refuge? What do I love? What do I want more than God? The Bible tells the believer to keep our eyes on Jesus. Just like Peter, when he was able to walk on water, he did well when he looked on Jesus, but began to sink when he took his eyes off. And we're like that. When we take our eyes off the Lord, we begin to sink. Anxiety tells us that something bad might happen to something or someone that we care about. And like Emily was saying, we all know that bad things do happen in this fallen world. But our sinful response to anxiety tempts us to say that God will not be there when a bad thing happens. It tempts us to say that God will not be good. So instead of saying, what if this bad thing happens? The Christian can say, even if this bad thing happens, my God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. Okay. Uh, you've all talked about questions you can ask yourself. Um, and so that's kind of where I wanna, where I want to go next is, is what should we be asking of ourselves and, and um, questioning when we're seeing a lot of anxiety to help us kind of understand root causes um, and, and maybe some of the foundational things that are going on there. So I guess if, if you're speaking with someone else or even talking to yourself, um, you know, you kind of ask, why am I anxious? And sometimes the answers are just pretty obvious. It might be your background or something that's particularly um, causing some anxiety, some circumstance that's causing the anxiety. Um, 
But eventually, just like I said before, but eventually you need to ask what you're trusting in besides God. What are you hanging on to so desperately? And it's only when the focus becomes less about you or the person suffering from the anxiety and more about God can the real healing begin. Yeah, I, th- <clears throat> I think that um, our emotions are, are so very interesting and, and just wonderful gifts from the Lord. And and uh, and what our emotions can serve as is really sort of warning lights on the dashboard of our lives. Uh, and when, when this light comes on, some emotion emerges from us. Uh, we want to understand that warning light has come on because there's something happening under the under the hood, you know. And so there's something going on in my heart. That, that is important and uh, and I and I want to dig into that I want to I want to be thinking about that so if if I have a, an emotional response to something it's because I'm seeing something as important uh, taking place and and I want to ask the question what is that thing and why do I think it's so important yeah I think um, Jeff and Trina really <clears throat> excuse me really summarize that really well. I think I would add um, really being curious about like those motivations and desires. So sometimes it really just starts with kind of, yeah, what am I fearing? Um, what is it that I, I don't think that I'm, I'm going to get if this happens or I think I will get? Um, and, you know, I can think, you know, for me in moments where I feel anxious at work, stopping and thinking, okay, how it's really about me. I don't want to be seen as a failure in this moment, or I don't want, you know, something worse to happen to like, this person that I'm working with. And it really oftentimes comes down to, I mean, for me, um, the way that I'm being seen or I'm being, you know, portrayed. And so right there I can see, oh, okay, this is really an issue of, of pride in my heart, of wanting to be seen a particular way, fear of man. And so I think you just really have to slow down and be curious. And it's hard at first to do that. Um, but kind of, yeah, just those same questions that they, they were asking, like, what is that I'm want that I'm wanting? What would it mean if I didn't have this? What would it say about God? What would it say about me? Um, and then taking those things to God's truth, like what we know is true about God, what we know um, would be true if something really hard happened. Good. So once you've done that, how can you battle your anxiety? Um, do you have resources to suggest, um, passages to meditate on, practices? So ways to maybe start looking at this, like I was saying, being really curious, I think um, a lot of times we don't, this is really practical, but like we don't create the space in our lives to slow down and come before the Lord to think about these things. Like they're not comfortable things. We can even think like, if I start thinking about this, it's just going to spiral out of control and then I'll be in more of a mess. And so like thinking about what ways am I maybe like distracting myself or numbing, maybe looking to escape or even just trying to like rationalize away, like really slowing down, not to dwell in our anxiety, but really to process that um, before the Lord and prayer and scripture and meditation, um, or maybe even with someone, like being able to talk with somebody out loud. Sometimes when we just say our fears out loud, we realize, oh, that's not what I believe or what I want to believe. But when it's in your head and, you know, in your heart and your body, like it can just be so confusing and disorienting. And so sometimes we just need to put something concrete to it. Um, 
And then also like when you are engaging scripture, I think really reading the whole passage of scripture, like there are these imperative commands where it says, do not fear, but it says, do not fear because I am with you. And that's, uh, that's the encouraging part of the verse. It's saying, this is why you don't have to fear because I, the I, the Lord, am with you. And and then meditating on that and really just like we would with other scripture, like when it says, I, the Lord, am with you. Well, who is the Lord? He's our creator. Um, he's drawn near to us. Uh, Christ on the cross interceding for us. Like we can make that such a rich picture that when I tell myself, don't fear, it's not well, just stop it, or there's no reason, or, you know, it's not just putting on a blanket statement. It's just infused with meaning and infused with other scripture that really like brings it to life. And so I'm not just seeing my circumstances in front of me, but I'm really experiencing um, the fullness of God. Um, And then I think the last thing I'd I'd say for now with that too is, um, in times where we catch ourselves getting caught up in fear, I think one of the, the most helpful things for me has been to just confess that to the Lord, not to beat myself up and to, you know, fall into condemnation, but just to say, um, you know, Sally Lloyd, Sally Wood Jones says in her storybook Bible, when she's talking about uh, Jesus calming the storm, she uses Jesus's words as he, he turns to the disciples and said, did you forget who I am? Did you believe your fears instead of me? And so in those moments, it's just a confession of like, oh, Lord, I forgot who you are. I forgot that you're bigger than this thing. I, I forgot that you're more important than this thing. And I was just looking at myself like, forgive me, help me. And the Bible says like where we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. And that's where grace comes in. And I think that's been like the surest and quickest way for me when I realized here I go again down this path is just confessing that before the Lord. And he He comes in and his spirit his spirit works. So I think to be quick to do that, um, not, yeah, not to feel condemnation, but just to be quick to run to the Lord for help. Yeah, I think uh, Emily has said very, very well that, that engaging with the Lord is, is the critical thing here. So uh, David Pallison would always always talk about there's kind of three big categories for for what happens to us when we seek to be uh, self-sufficient or self-reliant instead of God-reliant, and and they are anger and escapism and anxiety. So, uh, so this is one of those big times where, where what we need to recognize is there's there's something going on here where there is a bit of a functional atheism <laughs> taking place where God isn't in the in the picture and and He needs to be. Uh, so as as Emily was saying, where is it where I'm running to the Lord? Where am I engaging with the Lord? Uh, so when I'm I'm talking to folks. Um, the, a verse I I start with is Genesis one one. Uh, in the beginning, God. You know, so but that was that was how creation happened. But that's how this process needs to happen too. Let's start in the beginning. God, there there is a God, and we need to interact with Him, and He is eager to give grace to us and. And when we start with that foundation, then we go back to his word and see how over and over and over again, as Emily mentioned, um, he talks about the times that we are concerned about our lives, and he always responds with, and I'm here. 
you know, you need to remember that I'm here. So uh, I think that's why in the Exodus, he always said, now, look, I want you to set up this pile of stones here so that you remember what I did because I was with you. And I always want you to remember that I was with you. Uh, if, if you go back to Jeff Perswell's message from a couple of weeks ago, Psalm 46, you know, it was all about, you know, God is my refuge and my strength. He's, a, he's where I want to, to rest. He's where I want to be. Uh, or a Psalm 94, when the cares of my heart are many, that your, your consolations cheer my soul. Um, it's, it's when life is difficult and we remember that the Lord is with us. So Isaiah 43, uh, as, as Emily mentioned, you know, fear not for I am with you. Um, even if you go into, uh, something like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew six, where, where Jesus is, is talking about worry and anxiety and so forth. And, and he, and he immediately directs his listeners to consider the Lord, you know, if you have worries, consider how the Lord acts. You know, you need to put your mind on him. Get back to him. Uh, and that's, that's, where, that's where our healing and our help begins. Yes, absolutely. I agree with both of you all. Um, so I, I was just thinking when um, someone is anxious or when I'm anxious myself, just to immerse um, yourself in the truth of God's word. Um, you guys have both mentioned the Psalms, but they're just a wonderful place to start because they describe sometimes what we're feeling. But knowing God's word and through that God himself, what he's like, his character is the best way to battle anxiety. And also to be in fellowship with other believers. Um, I think that this has been one of the most difficult things about COVID, that our fellowship has been affected, and we really need each other. And then try to control your thoughts. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So I'd say don't rehearse lies in your head. Trust in God. There's nothing that can happen to you that is outside of God's control. And that's truth. Believers are children of the King. And then just for me, this really helps. I think it helps a lot of anxious people to play worship music. It's just harder to be anxious when you're praising God. Um. Trina, when you were talking about taking every thought captive, um, sometimes that can be so hard when it when our circumstances or that fear is like just in our face and telling us, but this is still true. Like, I know this is what the word says, and I'm trying to, I mean, I'm fighting to believe that, but this is also still happening. One thing that I try to remember um, and encourage people I'm talking to, like, okay, we'll just start small. Like, this may be true in your life, like this trial is really happening or this fear is really present, but what's also true? Um, because you're right, that is happening. That diagnosis is there, but there is also truth there to, to redirect your eyes to. And, and I would argue that truth is truer than this thing that you're facing. And so you know, there's ways that you can really start small with this. Um, and then I would want to add to just even about thinking of ourselves like physically as em embodied souls, like especially in prolonged seasons of just like stress and, you know, there's things going on maybe with family members or just a, a hard situation we're in 
just even practical things to take care of yourself, to just know like what your temptations are, um, your tendencies, just being able to create space to, again, to process some of these things and making sure that you're like getting sleep and eating, um, you know, maybe taking a walk, like even just practical things like that. They're not going to solve the anxiety itself, but they're really helpful in uh, even just helping us be able to get through day to day. So I think that can be really important. Um, and then just to remember, um, this phrase was really helpful in talking through like temptation and struggles. I think this could apply to, could apply to a lot of things, but, uh, just because birds are flying around your head doesn't mean they have to make a nest in your hair. And so we're going to be tempted to worry about things and we're going to feel anxious at times, but that doesn't mean that we're living in a state of anxiety. Um, when you get hard news, like we're, we're going to be tempted. It's just in that moment, are we running to the Lord or are we trying to manage that on our own or just fully give way to that? So I think that can be really important for people to remember that like you're, you're going to feel anxious about things because of all the reasons that we've talked about so far. It doesn't mean that because you're, you're feeling some of that stress in your life um, that you're not fighting that and you're not pushing against it. So just not to, to look at, well, I'm either anxious and not doing well, or I'm carefree and I'm hundred percent trusting the Lord. And it's really easy um, because it's the Lord comes to us in our weakness. So we're going to feel weak in these places as we navigate them and kind of battle them out. Really, really glad that both of you addressed uh, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, just a hugely important verse. Um, and one that I think oftentimes is, is not really used very well. Uh, sometimes take your thoughts captive can, can kind of get interpreted as don't have bad thoughts, you know, and that's just not true. So uh, you look at the context of what Paul was saying there. He, he was speaking to the Corinthians and said, hey, look, I, I came and I preached to you the true gospel. Uh, then I'm leaving. Now, other people are going to come in and say other things. And your job is to say, this truth that I've received about God, I'm going to compare that with this other stuff that I'm hearing. And you have to decide, does this agree with what God says or does it not agree with what God says? And that's the taking your part, your, your thoughts captive part. You know, you're going to have bad thoughts. You're going to have hard feelings, hard emotions, all kinds of things. You're going to hear all kinds of stuff from the, the world, the flesh, and, and the devil. Um, our job is to say, but do these things agree with what, Lord, what the Lord says? Um, and, and God doesn't say things like, no, the cancer diagnosis is not true. He doesn't say that. But he does say something about his character in the midst of the trial that you're going through. And our temptation can be to start ascribing things to the Lord because of the, the bad circumstances that we face. And that's when we have to go in and say, I want to, I want to take my thoughts captive. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm engaging with my life and my circumstances based upon uh, the lens of who God is and what he says is, is true. That's helpful. Um, well, we know that helping and encouraging people who are anxious is not just for the professionals. And, um, and so I just wondered, you know, I think 
with everything that's going on, we're, we're all going to battle anxiety. So I just wonder what it looks like to be a good friend to someone who's anxious. You're just having a conversation and they're expressing their anxiety. Um, or it's just a friend you know is struggling because they're going through something hard. So how can we encourage and be a good friend to someone struggling with anxiety? Well, don't underestimate the value of being kind, patient, and encouraging with a struggling friend. And remember to take every opportunity to point them to the Lord. So, for example, let's say that your friend is anxious to go out in public when going out in public. So you can encourage her to take a small step, go to a restaurant and order a meal to go. And you could remind her that avoiding things that may cause anxiety shrinks her world and creates isolation. But the truth of God's word says that we are to have fellowship. John 10.10 says the thief, which is Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But let's say that your friend didn't make it into the restaurant and turned around in the parking lot. You could respond with kindness and patience, encouraging her for leaving her house and making it to the parking lot. That's a step. But you got to remember that no one wants to be anxious. No one wants their world to be small. Kindness, patience, and encouragement can go a long way. And remember to always point them to the Lord. I agree with that. I think I think our presence is is huge. So weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And uh, we want to be there, uh, be there with folks. Um, then once we are there, uh, we're going to be very dependent upon the Spirit to guide us uh, with how to respond to this person. So you consider a two Thessalonians, two Thessalonians five uh, kind of guidance from Paul: um, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. We we deal with people differently according to where they're at, and so we want to be good listeners. Uh, we want to sit and, and find out where where are you on the these on these issues? I mean, are are there things that that I want to try to provide gentle correction for? Are there things where I just want to speak words of grace to you to build your faith? You know, are there things where right now you're just kind of helpless and it's time for me to step in and say, let me just take something for you and and help you on this. So uh, we want to we want to gauge very carefully who it is that we're that we're dealing with. Yeah, I think I would echo um, both uh, of what Trina and Jeff would say in that patience is huge. <laughs> um, just bearing with another person. Um, I mean, we can think about our own mindsets when we become anxious and just how disorienting and sometimes a slow process it is working through those fears um, and. Again, like what Jeff was saying, of of wanting to talk to each person individually, thinking about it as really taking time to be curious about their story and those those motivations and desires that are kind of underneath um, for the, that friend you're walking with. Just being really careful to not make assumptions um, and draw conclusions that we really haven't checked out. Um, again, there's good reasons that we might not know in people's histories and experiences of, of why they struggle with a particular temptation. And um, yeah, it, not that we want them to, you know, to stay there or to, to justify that, but to, to really see the complexity that it can really bring. Um, and, and in that, then we want to speak truth to them, but 
you know, when you're wrapped up in a really intense emotional experience of, of anxiety, um, sometimes combating that directly with like the, the logical truth and, and just the grounding in scripture, that can be hard because that person's in a very heightened state or maybe their body is just kind of you know, on fire, uh, with just kind of the, the physical effects of that anxiety. And so the way part of speaking the truth in love is coming and being a comforting and safe presence and maybe making them some hot tea to help them relax or wrapping them up in a blanket and sitting with them. I mean, it can be the practical things too. And that just even more paves the way for you to just, again, like speak the loving truth of scripture. Um, and I think the the last thing I'd say on that is just a reminder that you and that person need to look to Jesus to change their heart. Um, you could be talking to someone and think like, I just don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help them. And really like, there's not anything that, that we can do in ourselves to change the situation or really make that person feel better. And so in some ways it takes all the pressure off of us because we know the person who can, and we can, we can go to, to the Lord and ask for help. And we can go with that person to the Lord, um, and, and seek him together. And so I think that's really freeing to remember that at the end of the day, like it's not my words and my recalling of scripture and the promises of God. It's, it's running to the Lord with them. I need to do that on my own. I need to do that with other people. Um, and so I think there can be a lot of freedom there whenever we remember that. Well, um, I just wondered as the final question, what encouragement you'd say to someone that this is just a, a, a chronic struggle, you know, this is maybe a besetting sin, or it's just, they've got a lot of circumstances in their lives that they're just really anxious about and they're discouraged about it because they just feel like they are anxious and they're struggling to really battle this. So I just wondered how you would encourage them. Um, so two things. One would be, just as we've talked about in the scripture about like the Lord's presence, like the Lord is not far away. Like he longs to draw near to you in this struggle. Um, it's our very struggle and imperfections that are the things that that draw him to us. Um, he, he looks at us and he, he sees, Oh, Emily, like I know how you're fashioned and how your brain works and your propensities to struggle and be fearful. Like I, I see that, like that, that makes sense to me. You know, obviously it's not where he wants to leave me, but it's, I'm, I'm in, Endeared, or he's he's endeared to me. I'm endeared to him. I don't know how. <laughs> what if he draws close to us? So just um, he's he's longing to be invited into that space with us. Um, but then I can think of um, also times in my own life where I've just been so aware of my failing in the the area of anxiety, where I just think, um, I, am I going to make it? Like. If, how do I, how do I pull myself together? How do I, how do I persevere in this? And, um, I think about that song we sing at church that when I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. And, um, there's a quote by John Bloom. He says, faith is not a muscle that we need to pump up in order to be strong enough to trust Jesus. Faith is our response to what we perceive as trustworthy. And so, uh, you know, we're talking about, turning our eyes to the Lord um, and him being bigger in our, in our eyes than what our fears are. Um, but that is not for us to just kind of like 
pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, make that happen. Like when, when my trust and my faith and my hope are struggling, um, Hebrews 12 too says our, our life is found in looking to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so during that time where I was really struggling with like, my faith is failing. Like I, how am I going to make it? Um, the most encouraging verse to me was John 6 39. It says, and this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And so for the person who just thinks like, this is never ending, this is not changing. I'm just here and that it just feels hopeless and it feels like it's not going to change. Um, just remember that if you've placed your life and your hope in Christ, like He's never turning his back on you. He's never going to forsake you. Um, And so in that struggle, it can feel really dark and it can feel really prolonged. But he says that he is not going to stop the work that he began in us um, until he brings it to completion on that final day. And so that's where we go back to his promises that even if it's a it's a dark season, Jesus at least has said, I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose you. I'm not going to lose anything that the father has given to me. Um, and so I would hope that, that that would be encouraging just to remember that he is promised until that day that, that he has us. Yeah. Sometimes I, th- I think uh, it's helpful to try to shift from our own perspective of our struggle uh, and try to imagine, if you will, thinking from God's perspective. And here's, here's God's perspective for every one of his children. Um, I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you so that you would not only just be reconciled to me, but I would be glorified in your life as I transform you into the image of my son. So from God's perspective, it's very, very important to him for his glory that we are changed, that we do grow, that, that we do engage with these things. And, and so um, if we think that way, we think, wow, God is really for me in this, and he's got an investment in me that, that he thinks is a big deal. Uh, and do I think he's going to fail? And so uh, it, I think that's helpful to think God is on my side here. Uh, and it's my growth is important to him. Uh, and, and what you find is, is that the promises of Scripture are all these things of, of promises toward glory. And so uh, sometimes we can think about our lives being kind of a downward spiral, but, but what we get in Scripture really is an upward spiral. And, uh, and, and to think that way. Uh, the, the second thing that I think about with perspective is I, I think our perspective of our own state is just not really very reliable. It's not very good. Um, so I, I would really want I would really want to encourage the person struggling, thinking I'm not making any progress to say, according to whom? You know, and, and, and who are the people who know you well and who can speak into your life? Because because what really is is the case is it, it's kind of like driving a circular road up a mountain. Um, we, we can come around to the same side of the mountain and the view can kind of look the same, but we really have gone up the mountain a little bit further. And it's sometimes hard for us to perceive that. 
But from somebody looking back from from outside, we can say, no, you're you're making progress and things are different. And and your faith is being built along the way, and it's hard for you to perceive it. Um, but we see it. Uh, and and uh, and persevere. Keep keep at it because God's gonna prove himself faithful. Yeah, that's really good. Um so just to remind um the person struggling so much that there's hope that if they're a believer, there's so much hope in Christ and it's God. It's only God who can really calm your soul. He created you and knows everything about you. And so just to encourage them to press into God and his truth and to immerse yourself in scripture and worship music. And Jeff, you mentioned uh, Psalm 46. Verses one through three says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. But the only reason that we uh, would not fear is to know, to really know that God is our refuge and strength. Good. Well, that's a great way to end. Um, thanks so much for sharing and pointing us to the Lord in the midst of anxious times and anxious thoughts. And um, this serves me just to hear you guys share. I know it's going to serve the people who listen. And um, I did want to let folks know that we do have this um, counseling team at CCK, and they're just there. It's folks who want to walk alongside people who are struggling, going through difficulties. And so if you're interested in biblical counseling, you can contact the church. They'll have you fill out a form and match you up with someone who can encourage you and walk alongside you. Um, and speak truth from God's word to you. So thanks again for sharing, guys, and thanks to everyone who listened.